0: Today we continue on in our study on the parables in the summer, looking at one of the most famous of all the parables, the parable of the Good Samaritan. And I'm going to read that story and its context starting in Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. Luke 10, starting at verse 25. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came to where the man was, and we saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him, bandaged his wounds, pouring on it oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave him to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have had. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. O Lord God, give us wisdom, and insight for our lives as we live out your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. It was a lovely Sunday morning in the Ellsworth area. The sky's beautiful, kind of like this day. The fields are shimmering with a beauty. The temperature is so pleasant in this early morning. A pastor is driving his big old SUV to church. His thoughts are planning for a future rally about faith, family, and traditional values. The pastor is a pastor's pastor, tall, good-looking, widely respected in the community. He's active in conservative politics, which is well-known by all who listen. And he's calling out full behavior, pointing the right way to live is his calling card. As he's driving, thinking about the important function and that he'll give this invocation, he's motoring along a little after dawn when he sees something ahead of him at the edge of town. He slows down to assess the situation. Here it is, a man lying in the road. A man lying in the road with a bicycle flipped next to him and over the handlebars without a helmet, standing guard nearby, chewing on what appears to be the man's shoe, is this big dog. The man's injured, bleeding, not conscious with a dog there. Not an easy rescue. The pastor looks at his watch and surveys the situation, lamenting to himself that, he might be able to stop if, if he had more time on I mean, the unfortunate But he's got demands on his time, and he's an important man about town. So certainly he can't get involved. So he drives carefully around the man and says, well, I wish I could get involved, but I can't. you know. So he motors on and keeps reflecting about his upcoming event. A few minutes later comes another person driving around the road who happens upon the injured biker. She's a youth ministry worker, and she is one who works with at-risk kids who face many challenges within the county. Working from a Christian perspective with the support of many churches, she has built an effective ministry well-known through the county. Her hybrid hatchback gets 40 miles a gallon. She cares about the planet, and she is known within the progressive political community who someone likes to challenge the government to care and how to help use those dollars effectively. As she's traveling to her meeting... You know, in this group, she's startled this morning when she comes upon this same man. And she noticed the man's hurt. She wants to help, but she sees that dog. She goes, dogs are not my thing. And she hears the bark of that dog. She says, there's no way I'm messing with that. I wish I would have brought my phone. Oh, I could have called somebody. But she continues on her way. It's only a few minutes later when one of the guys who occasionally sleeps kind of on the edge of town maybe in the parks in the evening, rises from his sleep with his shopping cart trying to collect cans about town to make a little money to supplement any food he finds in the dumpsters. Sunday, always a nice Sunday, is his biggest day of the week for collecting and making a little money to eat. You know, he's pushing his cart along the edge of town where he comes across this man. And he notices the poor man bleeding and hurting Our fellow then sees the pit bull, fully grasping the situation. And so he wraps the man's, wraps it, you know, what's going on? He grabs a stick and works the dog away from the man and lifts up the man and puts him in the cart and brings him to the, the health clinic to get some help in the shopping cart. He gives of his time, his effort, the little that he has to help this man in his time of need. Now keep these pictures in mind as we continue our study of the parables. These stories where Jesus puts things side by side. Stories of Jesus. Stories of the King Jesus. That help us understand how we're to live in his kingdom. Now and forever. The kingdom that Jesus has begun. That when he returns he will fully consummate. And all who trust in him will live into Well, in these studies of parables, Jesus helps us understand how we're to live in his kingdom life. Not our way, but his way. And today we consider maybe the most widely discussed and well-known of them all, the parable that we know of the Good Samaritan, which Jesus makes clear, obedience of faith is to be our guide in living as those who live in the kingdom. Not status, but those who live faithfully to the kingdom. Our actions reflect our love of God, not our status. Well, let's consider, first of all, our situation here, our situation, the situation of the story. The first verses in 25 through 28 speak of the kind of situation that Jesus speaks the story and tells it into the life of his people and into our life and situation as well. And what's the situation? Jesus is teaching about his kingdom and how his followers should live in it. Jesus, the one who brought it to earth, as we said, and the kingdom now yearned for by God's people, the place where we'll dwell with God forever. And on this one occasion, we have an expert in the law, verses 25 through 27. And expert in law stood up and stood up to what? To test Jesus. To ask, okay, we'll get Jesus. And what is going on here? A person who is talented who has a strong reputation, respect within the community, who's learned. This was a guy who was on Jerusalem Live at 11 o'clock all the time as an expert. He discussed the issues of the day. Few men around Jerusalem could match his thinking, his articulate uh, speech, and his understanding about the law of God. He knew the laws and the implications of it. Now, he had heard about Jesus. Jesus, he thinks. He's just another guy, a guy who's getting some attention. Whenever a new teacher gathered, some interest aroused, they would send this guy out to put the new teacher in his place. Hard to call them real teachers, he thought. They weren't part of the Jerusalem elite. They weren't one of us. So on this occasion, our expert was chosen and sent off to deal with Jesus, to twist him in the wind, to box him in, to demonstrate how the real experts in the big city, because this Jesus, he was just a country folk from Galilee. This is how we do it in the big city of Jerusalem. The heavy hitters are dropping by, and look out, Jesus, here we come. So this legal expert, knowing that Jesus is proclaiming the kingdom of God, asks Jesus a simple question. He says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? So in these verses of 25 through 27, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus, though, as we know, is not easily fooled or tricked, is he? Jesus, who understands the kingdom, understands the will of God, who knows the scriptures, responds in such a wonderful way. And how does Jesus respond? Jesus responds by saying, What's written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? This man's an expert in the law. So he knows this man knows the law of God. So he says, What's written in the law? How do you read it? In other words, how do you understand what the law says? And so the expert in the law answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so what does he do? This expert in the law, he replies with the words from Deuteronomy and Leviticus, numbers of law, about loving the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your strength, and with all your soul. And the Leviticus, what? Love your neighbor as yourself. These are the implications of the law of how we're to treat, interact with others. How we love God, how we love people. And this man knew it, so Jesus draws out the answer that is true. So he asks the man, the man responds, and what he can only written, he answers these things. Jesus, in verse 28, says, you have answered correctly. Do this and live. And so Jesus takes this, and turns the table on this man to help him see what God has by bringing out the word which this man's know, so they know how to live. In other words, Jesus commands the man: If you live by faith, you will live. Because at the heart of the question is what What must I do to inherit eternal life? What must I do to inherit eternal life? In other words, live out your faith. Live the obedience of faith. This is not Jesus answering, here's the works that you do. No, it's because we trust God, we believe in him, we live out our faith by loving the Lord God and loving others as we love ourselves. The obedience of faith. Real faith that's active, that's to be acted upon. And here in the storyline, the words of Jesus made this expert very uncomfortable. Jesus, in his simple approach, turns the tables on this man and makes him feel uncomfortable. For he was fine with an intellectual discussion, but when the concern came to how are you living this out, he was all of a sudden uncomfortable with it. Loving God's okay, but loving others? And the man's uneasy about this. The law says love your neighbor. His legal mind knows it. But in life, how do we live that out? And so he wants to make himself right with God. The God he loves, the God he's pledged, and in verse 29 he asks, who's my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? That's the question he asks in verse 29. As Jesus says, do this and you'll live. And he wanted to justify himself because he probably saw the shortcomings. He goes, well, who's my neighbor? How am I supposed to know? I can love God, but loving my neighbor, there's lots of people. How can I know who that is? Maybe Jesus will answer in a way that'll be easy for me to uphold my personal righteousness in the context of the kingdom. But Jesus, this is all he needs to make this incredible point in the story. With a story to make it crystal clear of Jesus' teaching and what the law means, what the word of God is. And in that, Jesus now unfolds this parable of the Samaritan, or as we know, of the good Samaritan. A man who is hurt after being robbed and beaten along the road from Jerusalem to Jericho. 17 miles of winding road with significant elevation changes. This dangerous journey with priests being the important people in Jewish society who interceded between people and God were mediators. The Levites, those who were temple helpers. Jesus uses them. And then Samaritans. Samaritans were that different group. They were known as half-breeds because they were, had some Jewishness in them, but then they had Gentiles in them as well. And we can see here Jerusalem to Jericho. And then in this journey here, in this area here, is Samaria. Samaria, here's Jerusalem and Judea. Samaria here and Galilee up here. And Samaria was filled with people, had some Jewish heritage, but then also other non-Jewish heritage. And so they had kind of formed a different group, the Samaritans. And the Jews looked down on them, didn't interact with them, held them off at a distance. In fact, in John chapter 8, verse 48... The Pharisees to Jesus, when they didn't like what Jesus said, the Jews answered Jesus, aren't we right in saying you're a Samaritan and demon-possessed? That was a put-down. A Samaritan means, oh, who are you? You're nobody, you're no good. And so they called Jesus a Samaritan, and along with that, demon-possessed. So using this background, Jesus crafts this amazing story to teach us what? Who is our neighbor? And this is what he speaks into the, these experts a lot, to the ones who heard him, as well as to us here today. Whose neighbor? Well, the situation. And then we have reasons, which are really no more than excuses. And what do we have in verse 29? Jesus gets into it. The man asks, who's my neighbor? And in reply, Jesus responds with it. He confronts our reasons or excuses that what? how do we want to put out so that we can justify ourselves with our interaction with others? How do we know we have eternal life? It isn't enough to think a certain way. We must live out the obedience of faith. This is what Jesus makes clear. And this story helps us put it into play, that we are people live by our faith in Jesus Christ, not just be able to talk about it, know about it. We must know about it, but that knowledge must cause us to act, to live, to carry out our faith. Verse 30, we see the beginning of Jesus telling the story, the simple story with profound impact. In reply to this expert in the law saying, who's my neighbor, trying to justify himself, Jesus says, there was a man going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers, stripped him of his clothes, beat him, went away, leaving him half dead. Now, this road, you know, through the wilderness, 17 miles, elevation changes, winding, sometimes it wasn't the safest place. And so that's the story where Jesus sets it. And what do we have here? First, we have a priest comes by. One of the holy men of God, one who would intercede, mediate between God and man for the people. And what happened a priest happened to be going down the same road and we saw the man what did he do he passed by on the other side well that man he could be unclean you know he, i can't i can't i can't touch him because i need to be clean for purity but this is an important part where is he going he's leaving jerusalem going down to jericho in other words all of the temple rituals were taking place in jerusalem he had finished completed what he needed to do he was moving away from jerusalem to jericho he didn't have official duties in front of him he uses that as a context a pretext to try to escape his responsibilities and so what does he do he moves to the side he couldn't help the priest well you know justify himself you know, I'm in an important position. I have a lot of things to do. I can't help every person who's hurt. It may take time and effort. It's easy for me to stay clean. What happens if this guy dies on me? Well, I'd be unclean for seven days. I have things to take care of. And this man's not important in the, in the community. If he had faith, probably it would have never happened to him. So he moves over the other side of the road. He gave reasons excuses for why he didn't live out what? The word of God. Well, the same thing happens a Levite. Not a priest, but someone who was temple servants. They were kind of maybe the second most important people in the Israel structure, Israeli structure of serving God in the temple, for they were temple servants who would do many of the same things as a priest. And maybe he was going to Jericho to check out the new temple furnishings. You know, he wanted to get the cutting-edge technology for the no, younger generation. And as he comes across the man, what happens here? So to a Levite, when he came to the place, saw him. What does a Levite do? Ah, I'm going to pass by on the other side. So he too moves away from the man and passes by the other side, sees the man, doesn't take a concern or interest, and goes around. You know, I've got important things to do. Uh, if I only had my Jerusalem J9 communication device, I could have called somebody, but I didn't bring it with me. So this Levite, like the priest, is going away from Jerusalem, away from his official duties. He was too important in his own mind to help this guy. More reasons, or as we said, excuses for helping this person. But then here comes this third individual, a Samaritan. Remember, the Samaritans were those the Jews looked down upon. They weren't real Jews. They were half-breeds. They weren't worthy of our interaction. But what does this Samaritan do in verses 33 through 35? But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came to where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on the man. He went to him, bandaged his wound, poured oil on wine, put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn. And he took out some money, two denarii, and gave it to the innkeeper to look after him and said, when I come back, I'll reimburse you if you have expenses to care for this person. Here was this Jewish man beaten on the side of the road. A man who was beaten, who would looked down upon this man, and yet that did not stop this man for caring for him. The relationship is clear. Look at John 4, 9. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. And yet the Samaritan man stopped to care for this Jewish man beaten on the side of the road. Rembrandt did a painting of this that's in the gallery in, in, in Europe and it makes it clear for us who is the one who's caring for them. The Samaritan man took pity on the man, touched by the com- with compassion of what he sees. He was moved by human need and went to do what he could to help this man. This beaten man couldn't help himself. Left alone, he would no doubt die. So this Samaritan was filled with concern for the hurting man and took what? Interest in the man's best interests. He considered the man's needs and acted in a manner that would give the man the best opportunity to recover. In other words, the Samaritan did, man, did for this man what? What we would want done for us, did he not? Of these three, who would you want walking down and helping you? The Samaritan did what we would want done for us. He cared. He helped the person in need. He's the one who didn't use excuses but made room in his life to obey God. His plan, changed plans as needed was able to help. He continued on his journey. He didn't stop his life. He didn't cancel everything he had done, but he did what he could and didn't use excuses to get in his way. The man made room in his life to obey God. He made room, provision in his life to follow God, to obey God, to do what he could to help this other man as he was able. He continued on his journey, he didn't stop his journey, but he still acted and worked in this man's best interest. So what do we find? The situation, our reasons or excuses. What is our obligation as people of faith? Jesus finishes the story and then asks the expert in the law, which of the three was a neighbor? Jesus is so brilliant, is he? Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? Can he give any other answer? Is there any way, anyone say, well, hmm, let's think about this for a while. How about the priest? How about the Levite? No, we all see so clearly, simply, it was a Samaritan. There's no other answer. When it asks, who's my neighbor? Which was his question. Who's my neighbor? Jesus makes it clear which one was the neighbor. And it's interesting how the man responded. The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. The one who had mercy on him. You notice what the expert in the law doesn't say? He doesn't use the term the Samaritan man that Jesus had been in. He can't even get himself to voice it. He just said, the one who has mercy. He realized who it is, but in his state, he can't even vocalize that it was the Samaritan. And Jesus finishes what? The one who had likewise. He says, go and do likewise. Jesus' teaching, it's so simple. It's profound. It's not necessarily easy, but it's so profound and to the point. Who is the one who was a neighbor? The one who cared and who had mercy. Jesus tells the expert in the law, go and do Likewise that's the answer to the question. That's how you live out your faith. That's how you carry out the scriptures, the word of God, trusting in him. We live out our faith. We go and do likewise as the one who cared for the person in need. Going and doing likewise shows that we have faith in God. Going and do likewise demonstrates we live out our faith. It's not just an intellectual pursuit but it's something that comes from our heart. Going and doing likewise substantiates we love God. Going and doing likewise proves we love people, our neighbors. Going and doing likewise makes no mistake about where our trust and our faith in life is placed. Eternal life is held by God through his son, Jesus. Those who believe live out that belief. They go and do likewise. This is how Jesus instructs us to live in his kingdom. His kingdom. Jesus is calling us to live into his kingdom, to live as people who what? who love their neighbors, who love God with all our hearts, mind, and soul, and then love our neighbor as ourselves. How do we do it? By caring for those that we come across in life. He's not saying we have to impact, change everyone's life, but be open and be willing to love and care for those that we come across in life. We mustn't set aside the clear teachings about Jesus to try to promote our own righteousness like this expert in the law did. We must be people who live out our faith in Jesus Christ to love God and love others. Your neighbor is anyone you encounter during the day. Anyone we come across, that's our neighbor. Our neighbor isn't necessarily someone, you know, who lives four miles away or 400 miles away but those who we come across, who we have an opportunity to care for, to say a kind word, to encourage, to build up, to do something out of the love that we have for Christ, out of the love that we've received for Jesus, Jesus who died for you and me. That was his great love for us. Out of that faith and trust we have in him, we live it out by caring for those we come across. That's what this story is teaching us. Our faith is to love God, And love people. And who are those people we love? Can you love all 7.78 billion in the world? (laughs) Probably not. But we can love those we encounter in our own lives. Even our neighbor. Whether it's that irritating person who might live next door. That annoying fellow. That grating lady. The hard to love. Love demands that we have an active faith. It isn't what is comfortable for us or easy for us. But it's those that God puts us in a place to love. Those are the ones who were called to love as God's people. I think a great illustration of this a couple of years ago. There was a shooting at a church in South Carolina, followed by a vote in the state to remove the Confederate flag from the state buildings. And it was a, a white KKK kind of group that held a rally it was trying to hold on to white supremacy. And in this it was a hot day and there was a man who was overcome by the heat. And was in trouble and who came to his help but a black police officer leroy smith who you see in the picture the very person this white man was raging against he comes to help here's a man who went above the call of duty to help a man who was being hateful to him that's a great example of loving our neighbor because we love jesus christ who are you most like in that story in the beginning do you go and do likewise that pastor, that youth ministry worker, or that occasionally homeless man. Only one obeyed the word of God, loving God and loving his neighbor. We're called to go and do likewise, to go and do likewise, to go and do, to be like Jesus in the story that he's given us. Kingdom living sometimes can be inconvenient. The kingdom is not about our comfort and convenience. Our kingdom is about living for Jesus Christ as he calls us to. Love your neighbor. How do we love our neighbor? By going and doing. By loving those we come across. Who's our neighbor? The one we come across. What's our responsibility? To go and do as Jesus told us to. Will you, will I follow Jesus? Go and do. For all we come across is our neighbor. Let's pray. Oh, Father God, we thank you that you have given us these stories. Stories that help us clearly see what it means to live your kingdom life in our lives today. Lord, help us to be like this Samaritan. Lord, to be willing to be, Lord, go out of our way. Lord, to experience, Lord, more work because we have to care and love in Jesus' name. Lord, that's what you have done for us. Help us to be those who love you and love others. We pray this in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen.